to yet another episode of the Talent Waste Show. As you know, uh, well know by now, we are on a mission to find out if talent waste exists through research, statistics and brilliant guests each week on this very show, the Talent Waste Show. And as I've been banging my drum and banging the Talent Waste drum for a while, you'll now know that talent waste affects organisations across all industries. It occurs when an employee leaves an organisation prematurely due to that business not being able to retain them. And we've done some massive um, uh, research in this in this particular area, huge amount of statistics, just to pull some around. So the Office of National Statistics states between 30 and 45% of employees leave organisations within their first year, which is actually quite staggering. And we want to try and put a stop to that. And of course, 80% of employee turnover is due to bad hiring decisions, according to the Harvard Business Review. Now, when you put them two key things together, that creates a problem. And then it compounded from a cost perspective, when the Chartered Institute of Personal Development or the CPD states that each bad hire per year costs a business around £12,000. So you can do the math on some of that key things, but some huge statistics there. And what we've been doing during Series 1 and now, of course, uh, during Series 2, speaking to industry leaders about their experiences with Talent Waste and how they've managed to navigate um, and deliver some excellent initiatives We've got some fantastic guests lined up for the second series, and today is no different. You can, of course, catch up all the shows um, via Crowdcast, Spotify, um, and Apple Music on audio. But if you want the visual version, and why wouldn't you, then you can follow us on at Phoenix51 YouTube channel, or check out my LinkedIn page um, or our website, phoenix51.io, which obviously is our sponsors. Now, let's get to today. Um, I know someone's been um, waiting patiently in the background. I'm absolutely delighted to have a guest who has had a wonderful career so far in program and project office, uh, working with some of the powerhouse corporate organisations like Soprasteria, Siemens, BP, and also not to mention NHS as well at the beginning of Sonal's fantastic career. Sonal is now at Barclays, where she's the head, uh, sorry, the VP of PMO in uh, remediation technology. Um, Sonal's always been had a, a huge interest in technology and is also the co-chair for Asian Professionals Employee Resource Group, or e ERG. Sonal is also a two-time winner of Tech 100's Rising Stars and a huge advocate for women in technology. I'm absolutely delighted today to have with us Sonal Shah. Sonal, welcome to the Talent Waste Hello. Show. How are you getting on? Hello, good, thank you. How are you? Really good to see yeah, you. Absolutely fantastic. Really, really good to see you. Now, obviously, a huge introduction there. You've got so much to um, to, to talk to us about today. But for, for those viewers and listeners that you know haven't met you before, just tell us a little bit, Sonal, about yourself and about your background. Hi, um, everyone. I'm 
um, I've had over 20 years corporate experience, so currently working in banking, as you just said. I'm yeah. passionate about helping females change careers into the tech industry. And as you know, won several awards. I was recently a finalist in Computer Weekly's Most Influential Women in Tech and a finalist in the Global Woman of Inspiration Award for the work I do um, outside the day job. So I'll be talking more about my coaching program today and how I help females who are interested in tech to change careers or have that confidence to make that um, transition. Um, and I've done a lot of work over the years. I do a lot of speaking at um, con uh, conferences and on panels, etc., and organise events. So real got really got a passion there. And I think there's something there to help all the talent in the industry and more importantly, to keep them and retain them once they're in the technology industry. Um, well, we, we actually met at, at one of them said events, didn't we, uh, a, few, a few months ago now, one of our good uh, acquaintances and friends, Adam. Um, just tell us a little bit then, um, Sonor, if you can, about where does the passion come from with women in technology? You know, have you seen, there's a couple of questions here, have you seen a kind of a, a change over, over certainly in your career that spans 20 years? And, you know, where, and like I said, where's that passion for you come from for, for technology and in, in specifically women in tech? It was, um, I was in a job where I really wanted a career change and I'd done a lot of research and I, years ago and I made a successful tra change or transition into the industry. Um, you don't have to do this, but I just took a year out to study because I knew nothing about technology and I knew it was more of a dynamic um, industry where there were more opportunities, more uh, um, progression and obviously more money. So with that potential, I decided to just take a year out and study a master's to get me a conversion course to get some more knowledge before I joined the industry again. And obviously in the back pocket, having the previous experience if things didn't work out. So that's where it all began, really. And I'm not saying you have to be like technical and be a coder. I found my way into the project management world, which uses all of your other skills. So, you know, technology touches every part of our lives. So the passion was started when I changed and then I realised there was just hardly any females in the industry, just like in banking where I, you know, where it's known to be male dominated, but more so in the technology industry. Currently only five, uh, around 19% of females are, are in the industry. We've got a lot of work to do to help um, businesses encourage and retain them when they're there so I, I just feel there's a lot to be done and having so important to have that diversity of thought obviously we're having so many programs developed and built but you need that diversity behind the scenes doing all of the development otherwise like years ago when the seatbelt was introduced in the cars they'd just mirrored it on an average male and of course if a female was involved in an accident they're more likely 45% more chances of having serious accident or injuries from wow. the seatbelt not fitting properly until they sorted it out so there's lots of examples like that with our technology and it is so fundamental to every business to have that diversity completely and you talk about diversity of mind that thought process that actually thinking about it from a different angle what is part of how i would look at it so like obviously i'm i'm or i say obviously i'm a man so i i look at things probably for a man's uh for a man you know a, a male lens and actually how important is it to have you know um different lenses and, and when we talk about diversity it's not just about male and female it's about diversity of mind as well you know different cultures and different 
uh, mindsets, right? So uh, talk a little bit about how how you'd look at that in in certainly in some of your teams and, and what you're doing from a coaching uh, point of view as well now. We, it, it, you do have to have that real breadth of thought with um, male, female, you know, disabilities. We get biases from people as well, and we've all got them, the, the blind spots, and it's good to have that you know, human factor and conversations with people to open up your awareness and have awareness of your own biases. Because when we're in particular interviewing or looking at candidates or looking at CVs, I strongly believe, and there's a lot of work started now currently with looking at job descriptions and wording them in a way that they're more appealing to everybody, not just one kind of you know human factor or, or male factor if you like or whatever it might be to be more inclusive so people with disabilities or any kind of um you know neuro neuro um issues or whatever it might be are yeah, taken more neurodiverse right sorry neurodiverse is what i was trying to remember yeah and um, we have to just take account of all of these things when we're advertising right from square one, right the way through the whole process of recruitment. And um, and obviously the online tools, That it's just so important to get it right. Um, and even more so, I think, these days with, with um, artificial intelligence, etc., it's a real key thing with everything we do. Um, we, we need more more diverse thought into putting into these applications and obviously companies will be more competitive and more you know better for it in in you know more meaningful ways as well yeah no, sure you, you mentioned let's touch on this you mentioned there the recruitment part and, and actually quite interestingly obviously you know my background and most of the viewers and listeners know my background i've got 20 22 years now of uh, recruitment experience but obviously now in a tech platform space within that hr tech recruitment tech space um and one of the things that always strikes me about when i speak to you know uh, leaders and industry experts like yourself or on this very podcast or kind of in, in my day job myself is that there's there's so much need for good people coming into the business or you know as it's what's the buzzword at the moment the war on talent or whatever you want to call it Absolutely. globally you know there's 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 so much need for good people coming into the business yet we we as a, as a, as an industry or as, as organizations mostly still use things that are 40 50 60 years out of date you know like like the cv for example that you touched upon i mean how how is it possible to to kind of start to drive interest from women in technology or females in technology i think you, you said 19 percent of, uh, of of the tech industry is made up of females how do we start to get more people in through the door when we're still using traditional methods that that are outdated we we do need to start a lot younger in the schools to really teach them it does start from a very young age but where we've missed that pool if you like for yeah. mid-careers or, or people in careers now currently I think you know being online a lot more the use of LinkedIn instead of CVs you know you really show yourself out there brand yourself out there companies are using tools a bit more online but that online presence is important corporate behaviors as well need to change a little bit more and get up with the times those that aren't um, and, and understand the requirements there's Post-pandemic, we all understand the flexibility of working from home now. Now, this is a great one for um, families and things like that. So those 
um, flexibilities in the role descriptions and in the role adverts and things. I think people need to be more flexible now with their recruitment and understand you don't have to be there four days out of five in, in the office. Everything can be done remotely. We've all proved that um, as long as you're not sort of in obviously NHS or, or frontline, you know. Um, the, the actual, um, you know, society and the government, everybody needs to take account of these things. And um, I think more people are getting with it now. And also, I, I just think, you know, there's more demand anyway for it. Everyone doesn't want to be doing the commute anymore. We've got to have a bigger balance in work life anyway. Yeah. So there's all of those areas to kind of look at. Um, and, and in turn, I think people are more demanding anyway when they're looking at jobs before they even apply for them. So you could be missing a whole talent pool there, like returners to work from the females. I like to work with a lot of them as well. Real yeah. key workforce. And we're missing them. You could, you know, the technology jobs are there for them or for the taking. Lots of skills I try to teach from parallel skills, what they could offer just because they haven't got a tech degree or something. That doesn't mean they can't apply. There's a lot of um, requirement now and for upskilling. Everyone should be open to upskilling people. We need to help these people. No, I, com I completely agree. I, the, the return to work uh, piece is, is really interesting. Um, my, my wife, uh, we've got three children. Um, so, uh, in fact, yeah. I was going to say she, she had to return to work three times. It was actually only twice because we ended up having twins um, the second time around. So uh, it was only return to work twice. But I did see um, I did see a big change in how how she had she how she felt she needed to be able to go back in order to to stay on a level playing field with her yeah. kind of male colleagues. Yeah. Um, and this is just an observation from from me as somebody that obviously our husband and somebody loves her. Just just looking at not not from a professional standpoint, just from a personal standpoint. Do, do you think that's difficult for, for for women? Because now nowadays men can stay. You know, it's it's more should I say acceptable in society yes. for men to stay at yeah. home and women to go back. You know, but 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 at the end of the day, women still have to take some time out. In we order do. to you know to to have a baby, right? Of course, they do. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen a shift in 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 mentality in businesses, uh, Sonal, or is it still kind of a, I mean, a lot of work to do to get to that to that point? I think there's um the companies there's there has been a shift, but there's still a lot more to do. There are some good companies out there that really embrace this and help people coming back and really are flexible. But there's some companies who are still catching up a bit and I think managers are really we need to hold account, them to account you know not just the senior level it's the mid-management that really we need more awareness of what the requirements are and and have those open conversations so that the awareness increases of how to deal with certain things because just because you're working from home you should be able to still be valued and um, it's harder to promote yourself but there are ways when you're online and things but you know like just for example the the usual conversations that people might go out for a drink after work but then are you considering your whole inclusive workforce you are you being inclusive with all of your workforce because some of them have commitments they've got to rush home to collect the kids for example yeah. we have to be really um more awareness i'd say a lot more discussions and and almost in-house training and awareness modules of your know self-development or whatever it might be mandatory modules to be aware of the you know the job shares and the way that we work flexibly 
league, taking account of who's in your team, you know, get those preferences for everybody, not just be the usual, let's go to the pub on Friday evening when not everyone can join you, change it to a lunch hour. Um, we've all heard these things before, but I, I do think that sometimes middle managers need to be aware of it, especially where there's more male-dominated industries out there. I think some of the big corporates are definitely a lot better. Still a way to go with, with you know, I mean, it's good to see men have paternity leave now. We've made big leaps and changes, but the, it, to embed this culture in, it takes time. Take time, yeah, no, and, and and I agree. You know, time is is what we all need more of, or or, or crave more of. You know, if, if we give twenty five, twenty six hours in a day, it'd probably be more more welcome than not. Again, just just touch of a, 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 a thing that you, you mentioned there. I, I personally think I don't know. I'd love to get your views, Sonal. You know, COVID and the lockdown piece really started to teach us something different. You know about almost empathising or seeing it from different people's viewpoints. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. When you use the example of let's all go out for a drink after work, but some people can't do that. Actually, during COVID, everybody was in everybody's lounges, weren't they? Or in their bedroom, yeah. in their front, you know, like, you know, working yeah. from home and we're doing lots of virtual. So it become, you know, it's very often, and, and he might do it now, Marley, my dog, he might walk in in a minute and like say hello. <laughs> You know, but you know, it's like you know, if people have got children, they might do that, and it become more. You know, we we never saw into you know, and how would I see into the um, you know, the vice president of PMO's home, for example? Yeah, I'll be yeah. having a meeting with you, and and ultimately, yeah. I'm in your home. So we become yeah. a little bit more softened, should we say, yeah. on that yeah. side. And do, do you think that, that that that's had an effect on people thinking, oh, actually, maybe Sonal can't make that drink, so maybe we need yeah. to do something different? Absolutely. Oh, it, the empathy has definitely grown, but we need to maintain it. And um, I think also when you said earlier about why we haven't got enough females coming into the industry, I think the, there's a massive pay gap in general anyway. Forget the technology industry in general, there's catching up to do. And I think there's a lot of work to be done on that front as well to keep and retain people. So we're all on the level foot, if you like. But yeah. COVID, I think the pandemic has given a lot of lessons to many people definitely yeah. um and i do hope they maintain this because even with the pressure of people thinking they've got these lovely offices and they're you know sitting half empty i personally think they need to be careful pressuring employees to come back for a certain amount of days in the week you know they need to be a bit flexible and meet meet halfway otherwise people will start moving around and leaving you can't retain and, and again the war on talent we talk about and then that cycle happens again and you mentioned right at the beginning and we're, we're you know just before we go to our break you mentioned right at the beginning about um you know how important it is to retain so you do a lot of work you take that 19 percent of female representation in in uh, uh, in technology to 25 percent but what's the point in doing that if if you know within the first year you lose 10 percent you know Absolutely. so that retention piece is really really important as well so yeah. um have you got any examples or you know statistics at all for, from your side where you've seen that kind of what i call rinse and repeat you know you, you you spend a huge amount of time in bringing somebody enticing them into your organization bringing them in embedding them in only for six seven nine months later they leave and again, like I said in the intro, um, PD stating that that could cost twelve thousand pounds for every time you do that. I mean, so, we had um, 
we had the head of uh, resourcing uh, for Nationwide on last season's um, show, oh, right. a guy called John Hull. And he, he stated that for, for every 1% of people that leave in year one, it costs the business £100,000. I mean, this mm. is staggering, absolutely staggering. Absolutely. Have you have you got any kind of examples yourself where you've actually seen this? I mean, does this exist? Do you think this talent think waste thing that I'm talking about exists? There is talent waste, but I think we need to be very, very particular with the hiring mechanisms. You need to make sure it's a diverse panel and not just have the standard you know, you, you've got to show what your organisation's like. You've got to bring in the right interviewers. But I think the first six months are crucial when someone starts regular check-ins with that line manager, making sure they're getting what they need. They've got the support in place from the team around them. These things are all crucial. Your first, you know, first few months, your first impressions of everybody. So that's three to six month uh, period where wherever you have inductions, but, you know, have a induction and your probation period it could be between three and six months it's crucial would they need all the support you can give them make sure that the colleagues in the team are you know interacting and everyone is aware of you know who's who's who and who's new and in in order to really benefit and make sure that they do stay because if you can iron out concerns straight away in the early days if you spot anything with them and um you know you have to make sure those hires are the right fit. I think, you know, I do I do prefer the interviews face-to-face. -face. You know, you might have initial phone calls, but I always make sure we've got a diverse, like I, I'm, if it's it's not two males, hopefully it's, you know, a bit of both, male and female, or um, someone diverse from the team interviews them. And making, I, I use emotional intelligence. I just make sure I see the candidate, read the body language, recognise key things to ask them, because CVs, this is a very common problem. You get them in front of you, they're very different to their CV. <laughs> and these days, somehow, that seems to be happening a lot. So we, we need to really, really hone in on those interviews and be sure and make sure you go for a second round with the right people as well. And sometimes it's it's really interesting. I mean, I completely agree that you know the the emotional uh, the EQ part and actually really understanding you know, is this some organisations feel that that the interview or the the the, the process of hiring is a one way process, but it's very much a two way process. So the, it's not about putting layers in for the sake of putting layers in. It's about yeah. putting layers in that that actually enable us to see the true your true self or your your whole oh. self. Because, yeah. because that's, that's that's really important that you know one two stop interview bang we're in sometimes that's too easy to get a role and the war on talent no we just want to get this person in but actually yeah. culturally values wise we have yeah. to understand that these candidates the talent pool that we're bringing into our businesses have the right values have the Absolutely. right values, have the right cultural values because this is what's going to give longevity this is what's going to give that retention piece and that's one of the things that to be fair phoenix 51 the platform has done it's it's not revolutionized um you know things with ai we don't actually use ai we use automation and algorithms but not key ai and i think that's really important because ai can be as, as biased as the developer that's developing the ai so Absolutely. it's really it's really important isn't it to, to still yeah. keep that human touch that human yeah. interaction but to have data to, to be able to support your decision making in such a crucial part. I mean, let, let's be honest about it. The, the, the biggest asset that all of our businesses have, regardless of how big, small, 
um, you know, global they are, is your people. Like without oh. without people, you don't have a business. You've got no um, business. No, that's it. And so, culture so, so, is have the data points on, no? Yeah, the key. The I think culture is really key, and the values are really key. You can have all the great experience in the world, but if your values don't align with the company, and you're you're not going to fit into the culture, you need to spot these signs in the interviews straight away. I, um, yeah. I, it's just such a waste, as you say, the money wasted and the time wasted I've seen. In, in, I mean, the most common problem I've had is we've got a good candidate and then they've ended up going to somewhere else because the internal processes take too long to get wow. them on. And by that time, they've got something even better through the door and they've gone. Um, people need to, organisations need to be more efficient with how they're hiring and what they're doing um, yeah. as well because the big corporates do tend to have quite a lot of... Um, process <laughs> sometimes it's a habit but you need to be efficient with it not make it prolonged and difficult for people to get in um but sorry your conscious and unconscious biases for people interviewing will gravitate to, towards someone similar to them but we actually have to be very careful of ourselves when we're in that process as well always make it a, um make sure someone else is giving you uh, with the interview with you doing the interview with you like you've got two at least interviewing to try and minimize those biases that may come in you've both got different opinions and that kind of thing i completely agree i 100 agree look on that note we're just gonna, i want to come back and, and and look at some of that and after this break as well viewers and listeners um i'm going to ask um a couple of quick fire questions to Sunil, maybe your best hire or your worst hire. You don't have to name them, but it'd be good to see how, how they've worked out. We're back after this. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions but also how to benchmark train and retain them phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey and we're back and um nice little plug there from uh, from the channel sponsors of course uh, Phoenix 51. Um, so before the break, we were talking about kind of how important it is to get uh, to uh, kind of draw down a little bit into that diversity of mind piece. So whether or not it's myself and you interviewing a new person coming in, I get the kind of, if you like, the Lee McQueen view. They also get the Sonal Shah view. And then we can see and actually, again, coming back to that, that commonality or that common point of values and behaviours. You know, I've always found that if we hire people based on uh, our own image or hire people based on a piece of paper or CV or what they've said that they can do, inevitably it doesn't go very well. But if you hire based on values, competencies, behaviors, inevitably it goes a lot better. I mean, 80 to 85% year one retention from a values competency based uh, interview process or assessment process versus you know a 30 or 40% retention year one just based on a CV hiring interview. So that kind of war on talent that we were talking about earlier, get them in quick, let's go, let's go. Sometimes that doesn't work either, doesn't it? So on that, Son, what do you think? It 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 that approach will backfire. I think, for example, just in financial services in general, um, 
you know, like we were aware the C-suite are middle class white men or that 70% of middle management are actually white straight men. Um, and fewer women are at senior level, VP and director levels in the industry. So it's slightly improving now, but there's so many things that, you know, are being done to improve the statistics in organisations. I just think we, we've got got to have that awareness to start with in, in the culture of the organisation and what they're doing to start with. And, and um, you know, having a, um, a diverse lens for everybody, I think it's key when you're looking right from the beginning at the job description. Is it worded right? Is it, you know, can you get the right interviewing? And testing the competencies, I find works so well for all hiring that I've ever done really right. testing through competencies and your uh, the candidates values and your values that do they align you know what are they looking for from their day-to-day yeah. -day role so key you you said the stats it's like really high return you know to, to have these people in it, it does it in some in some ways I mean you'll never get rocket science from me ever like so sorry viewers and listeners you'll never will but you'll know that already but you know, it, it's actually quite simple, isn't it? Really, if you put, if you if you just um, decide to put some uh, some not effort, but put some vavavum, uh, shall we say, behind that kind of culture, values, competency piece. You mentioned earlier the middle managers or the hiring the higher managers through their lenses. Sometimes higher managers, and you know, we've probably been, been guilty of this in the past. You know, I've hired thousands of people during my career uh, on, on on the way up through through the corporate world as well and sometimes we might be guilty of you know just insular looking at what we need right now for our business today and our team but actually what about what we're looking for as a business overall and and, and actually uh, you know making sure that again it's not that diversity of mind or that kind of diverse working landscape that we're, that we're going after isn't about ticking a box it's it's, it's about naturally if we have a diverse landscape naturally our business becomes diverse it naturally happens because yeah. you're having you're having different ideas or different decisions that you're making or even just different challenges like between leadership or senior management or mid management that you wouldn't have had if you yeah. had white males middle class white males doing the whole thing all, all the time i mean I, I hired a mature person a while ago um previously in an, in another job and he was brought in really for his ex experience in a particular niche area that we needed help with but mm. actually what happened was he ended up being such a great hire we kept him after the contract permanent because he was able to help the younger people look at different things in a different way from the experience the vast experience he had he brought to the company um, and we kept him on a wider program project to help the others and really he just you know blossomed and flourished and the a mature high with all the quite a younger team it was but it really complemented and he was you know brought so much to the program we were running it was amazing so you know it just goes to see you have to be a bit more open and really see what, what they're bringing and what how what are they you know bringing and in turn what can we do for them he wanted actually he had had a long break out of work and just wanted to come back after um you know running a business actually and I just thought this is actually he's got parallel skills that would be really good for and complement what we're trying to do in the program you know apart from the niche piece of work we brought him in for the tool it was a brilliant hire and I know he's still there to this day which is really good to see. I love I love stories like that and, and actually could have easily been overlooked from from that mature perspective Absolutely. 
Yeah. You touched on, you touched on something there that, again, I, I quite interested to get your views on that kind of return to work. A lot of people, when they say return, or when they think about return to work, they think about women or females that have just had a baby or coming back after having a baby, like return to work or whatever. But there's actually quite a lot of different um, uh, groups of people, should we say, yeah. that, that do take some time out and then have to come back in for whatever reasons they are. Yeah. Do you, again, do you think that they're, they're kind of almost um, pigeonholed into, oh, you've been out of work or or you've ran your own business now. There's no way you, you want to come back and work into a corporate. That's quite common, do, do you think? People totally underestimate, for example, if they've been running a business, how much um, how much savvy they are, how many skills they bring to the party in a, in a work environment. It's amazing. I think that, you know, people can learn a lot from them. And they're very resilient as well. They won't give up quickly. They're really resilient. They're there. They're committed. And then you get the other extreme where we've got the younger generation who want to travel and take a year out, for example, and they're coming back into it, but they're coming back with a broader mindset. You've got to give them a chance these days, you know, that they, where they're going to get the experience. We've got to help them through these things. So I think being open really pays off. You can come across some real cracking hires. And again, you have to be careful because some of them, you know, if they've got an attitude, then you can teach them everything you want, but you'll never get them to where they need to be. So attitude tops it all for me you know <laughs> they can be completely novice and you can train them but with the right attitude and and then you've got the older workforce as I've just described in that example of hire he was an older gentleman but really really good so keeping open it isn't just about females returning to work it could be the males returning from doing yeah. their paternity stint people are taking longer time out now yeah. could have been illness or something like that for as a carer that's another carer, one. exactly I, I just want to again i just want to touch upon that if, if i can you've hit kind of my story so um when you talk about people that have run a business i'll, I'll be honest to the viewers and the listeners and and, and obviously yourself when I was in mainstream recruitment working for a corporate in a you know in a previous life, it was a long time ago now. Um, I would have looked at somebody running the business and then immediately gone, Why do you want to come and work back into you know a full-time position? Very naive, probably in my kind of mid-20s, I wouldn't have been able to look at that and say that's that's trans, you know, there's there's some amazing skills there. Now, in the, you know, I've set free business, so that's the Phoenix 51 is the third business that I've set up. I am that person. I, I'm not looking for a perm job anyone, by the way. I'm very happy and successful with Phoenix. But but my point being is that the amount that I've learned just in the last two years of setting Phoenix up, regardless of what I've done the two businesses previous to that, is un, is just unimaginable, Sonal. I've learned so much in the last two years. But but actually, as a business owner, what I've learned over them kind of, how long have we been running the business now? Since but 11 years, 11, 12 years. Like is is unbelievable and i have a completely different mindset now if i was to go back into a corporate organization mm. my the you know i i ran a i was a managing director of a of a corporate division before before i went on the apprentice um but if i would go back to that role now it'd be i would make completely different decisions for the better for that organization yes, so I, I totally agree with you that that, yeah. that that you know when you're when you're switched off to learning, that's the point where I don't think you're horrible anymore, regardless of however old you are, young you are, whatever, when you're switched off, when you're consistently wanting to learn, wanting to find that new thing, self-development, that for me is the bit. And again, that comes back down to a key word that you said earlier, which is attitude. Regardless of how old you are, how experienced you are, 
attitude is key. Now, I, I could be really arrogant, like for you know, for the stuff that I've already done, similar to you, you're very successful. You could be pretty arrogant, but you're continually looking to learn and improve. That's what makes us yeah. so different, and that's what makes us, I suppose, stand out. And, and that's the what that's the same for the talent, isn't it? That we're bringing. It is. It is. It's like having that. a growth mindset. We call it like growth. really. It, it's amazing that, and the business people, like you said, you if you were to come back, you'd be questioning all the asking all the right questions for the senior management straight away, like knocking things off amazing being a business owner and like you say mindset is everything um many people talk about mindset but you you do have to be a strong strong person right positive mindset and you know anything as you will say anything can be achieved can be achieved you've achieved so much through you know through your whole uh, business life yeah, no, I, I mean, no, I appreciate that. Let's talk about you in terms of achieving them, because so have you. You've done amazing. You're a two times Rising Stars Tech 100 winner. Um, you're doing a lot of work, as we talked about, women in tech and diversity and that type of piece. Lots of coaching and mentoring as well. But I want to also touch upon um, that you're the co-chair, aren't you, for uh, the Employee Resource Group, Asian Professionals Employee Resource Group, sorry, so the yeah. ERG. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that, how you got involved in that and what that kind of what that kind of looks like. So for employee resource groups, most corporates will have them now. And I think it's a good chance to do a lot more networking and it's outside your day job. So you increase your network within your company. And um, I organize lots of events. You, you hold talks, you interview maybe the MDs and topical things about careers, for example. What are the challenges? Recently, I held... Um, a woman of colour in tech um, panel event with an MD and an external lady. I invited her in to talk about the challenges, how they uh, climbed the career ladder, what the issues are, because they face totally different issues to other people and um, shared lots of common things as well. And it enriches your uh, working life in the corporate life as well for all the people that attend and take the interest and it gives you a different dynamic outside your day job so it's important to do a bit more ever since I joined like the company I'm at now I just joined some of the ERG the employee resource groups or networks they used to be called um, and it's amazing your circle your network widens your knowledge widens um, you may even go for an internal role and you may already know some of the people all of yeah. these things that help you know it's all good. yeah so is that is that at your uh, some of your workplaces or, or is that an independent piece because you know I, I think that's an, ama that's an amazing uh, initiative I do external work as well a lot and internal. So I do a lot of things externally. I'm a member of um, We Are The City Tech Network, which is a good one. Um, I myself am a founder of She Chose Checks, She Chose Tech, sorry, which um, I help through coaching. I help females uh, rise in the corporate uh, career or change careers into technology. I do speaking as well at um, conferences and um, I've been invited by um like-minded females to go on a careers summit and I was on a careers panel for them in the summer so uh, I love to share and help others along the way as well um and be a voice out in the industry and um you know I mentor people as well I've had quite a few people I've mentored in the past because you have to keep learning right as as a businessman I'm sure you, you also the growth, do growth mindset, the growth mindset as you're talking yeah. about yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is it is amazing and um 
what one of the things that I think you know again is 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 quite prominent now is that kind of pulling all that experience together. It's very rewarding, isn't it, when you can mm -hmm. coach or not necessarily teach, coach or talk yeah. to people yeah. about your experiences. And if they yeah. take something out of it, that's what I say when I do these shows. You know, if you know if one or two people take something good out of out of this forty five minutes or so, then you know we're 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 giving something back and we're doing the job right. So yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, it's it's really important. So you talked um some of them about uh, kind of some some things that you've got coming up and and that type of stuff. Like before before I kind of let you go, what's um what was your kind of best ever hire? Or you don't have to name the person, but we, you know, you, you talked earlier about the, the, the you know, the, the, the gentleman from before, but have you got any other stories that you can share with us and our, and our audience about kind of bringing people in and, and letting them flourish? Um, I think um, it was quite a young hire who wasn't from the same industry or had that experience, but I could see in the answers, there was a lot of um, initiative a lot of like common sense approach to the answers, even when their experience wasn't evident, and um, a real positive attitude and a hunger to learn. Um, and I gave this person a chance, and he, he absolutely flourished. Like I couldn't, he rose quite quickly from where he was. Um, got promoted twice while I was there, and then I I moved on. But I know even now they are doing so well. Um, left that company to a higher position somewhere else and um and, and they still keep in touch with me now which is lovely as well because I obviously sort of helped a little bit when when they were there when they were starting and it was so lovely to see that and um you know even reaching out to me now sometimes it's yeah. just lovely yeah. to see that progression I think for early careers it's it's really important to nurture that talent and help them through that it's really interesting, actually. The early careers part. I mean, this isn't this isn't about every everybody else is different, but especially in the early careers part, to nurture that talent, as you just said, to you want to drive loyalty, and the only way that you'll drive your loyalty is to really understand what what career path or what opportunity is that is in front of you know the, these these early careers people. And it's, it's quite interesting, actually, because I would have done. Maybe ten years ago, when I first started my my other business, the, uh, the recruitment company, um, I worked in early careers. That's that's what it is. It was all about early careers, and I probably would have put a survey out ten years ago and said, "What, what are your top three things you're looking for in a job?" And I could probably guarantee that the number one thing was money. Right, the first thing was earning, earning money, earning mm -hmm. potential. Um, I can pretty much guarantee now if you put the same survey out, it would be knowledge as the number one. They want to learn. They want to get better. They want to drive a career. A career now for an early careers individual is probably three, four years in an organization if we're lucky. Absolutely. You know, a career in generations probably before us were 30 years, right? So yeah. the swing within two, three generations is absolutely huge, probably 10 times left uh, the 10 times left in terms of staying power but you, right. still get, you still get people that stay in organizations for a long period of time and you've got to question why they're staying yeah. there is it because they've got the right career path they've got the right journey they've got the right opportunities in front of them and, yeah. and sort of we can't do that can we unless we talk to them and understand what they need but also yeah. 
we put these initiatives into the business no i agree and i think now we're seeing seeing even more people the younger people wanting to do their own businesses which i think is fantastic and i think that's something new for these companies to embrace actually to allow people to have their side hustles because no job is for life anymore we've got to have something else there yeah. Um, and I, I do see that a little bit of that coming through now, which is it's really good. I myself like to anyway. So I think it's there's a big thing here and people need to uh, embrace that and encourage, you know, help them. It would be it would be the difference. You know, we talked about probably the third time bringing up that war on talent and people think, you know, financial services, they've just got war on talent within financial services or media just with the media. But that's not actually the case. The war on talent is everybody, because especially especially in that early careers point that, um, you know, that, that, it, that you don't have to. There's a lot of businesses now. Again, we're talking about diversity of mind and, you yes. know, kind of, um, you know, male and female and kind of, you know, you know, kind of uh, smaller ethnicities or whatever. Yes, but actually, yeah. for, for me, I look at that diversity piece as degree and non-degree. Absolutely. So how, how many people are we missing out on when we're just looking for graduates? We're fishing in the graduate pool when actually we could be yeah. fishing in the in the wider pool. And actually that that hunger, that attitude, that determination piece comes from graduates. Of course it does, but it also comes from non-graduates as well. Yeah. And, and actually, are we open to, you know, there's, there's still businesses that will only take on organ um, uh, talent. Or, I think or, it's or really sad. Really I do sorry to interrupt i think that's really sad because i do feel very strongly about that especially you know within certain industries where they're looking for the you know oxford or cambridge or whatever it might be grads we are really missing a trick here if they look at equity everyone should be on a level playing field to start with so the non you know the you know the deprived communities there's a lot of outreach programs happening now especially yeah. within banking where they are actually going out to look for people that wouldn't normally have the chance and they've got just the same skills and you know knowledge or capabilities or abilities rather to perform well in those jobs so they you know it's nice to see that wider um widening out but it it's still um i think it's still early they need to do a lot more but it's nice to see it happening yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Well, look, time has got us. We talked about time earlier, if we could have more of it, and time has actually got us. But before I let you go, Sean, it's an absolutely fantastic um, uh, episode. But before I let you go, is there any kind of tips that you would like to share with, um, you know, our, our, our listeners and our viewers, you know, you know what, what maybe you think is on the horizon for 2023, things to look out for or, or anything yeah. like that? I think um, there needs to be a lot more transparency for companies, you know, such as salaries of staff. You know, data is going to be everywhere. We all know data is a big thing. So employers need to be a lot more open about the salaries. And, you know, otherwise they'll risk not attracting the right talent, you know, the right staff to them or people leaving, as we've already talked about, because they won't see the remuneration being equitable um, for the same work. Um, I think people need to be, you know, a lot more open to the technology. You know, I think that a lot of jobs will be taken over by technology, but move with the times and learn, you know, to, to widen your skills. Um, I think, you know, analytics, you know, the, the way that things happen, I think people need to be more flexible within their career paths as well, you know, yeah. based on their own goals and their interest areas. And then, you know, um, 
exercise with caution, you know, make sure you still have that human factor in everything and conversations with line managers and employees must, you know, take place aside from all that technology and the rapid development in tools as well. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I think one of the key takeaways, there's lots for me to take away personally and for our viewers and listeners, but one of the key things is that 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 thinking about that diversity of mind or thinking about it from other people's point of views, which is really such a on a human level, that should just be so natural. And why wouldn't you do that? But actually, sometimes we we forget in the hustle and bustle in the world that we work and we live yeah. in that that, that that gets overlooked. And, and actually, that is a key point for for, for us moving forward and, and changing the the kind of the the norm. You know, we we so the norm just because it's the norm, it doesn't mean to say that we like the norm. And actually, let's let's uh, let's continue banging that drum to change it. Sonia, you've been absolutely fantastic. Where can our viewers and listeners find you? She chose tech. The coaching stuff that you're doing, where can they find you? Got a I'm, website on, I'm, I'm on Instagram as um, the business one is She Chose Tech or at Sonal Tech for yep. the personal Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn as well. So if you want to know more, please do message me on LinkedIn. Um, and you know, it's been lovely to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. And uh, I'm absolutely delighted. That is it. You know, you know where to um, to find someone. You can just go onto LinkedIn or or use them Instagram handles as well. Um, the Talent Way Show is back with another fantastic episode over the next seven days or so. so look out for that in your inbox. And you can find us on Crowdcast and Spotify and all the key um, audio, um, audio outlets. Of course, as well on YouTube. Don't search Talent Waste, but search phoenix is one channel sponsor and you'll be able to see all the key episodes as well um absolutely fantastic once again sonal thank you so much and we'll see you next time on talent way show thank you very much